Welcome to the sermon podcast of Redemption Church. The following sermon is by Pastor Gary Alloway. All right, so. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. <laughs> it's our second week on what did Jesus teach about mission, and this week we're going to look at Luke 10, the sending of the 72. You guys know this passage? It's a fairly famous passage. It can, it, it's a wild passage. I don't know if you caught all the different things going on. You, know, you could actually spend a whole month kind of teaching through different uh, pieces of it. A lot of it runs pretty contrary to not only what we've been taught about like mission and evangelism and church planning, but also just kind of our basic instincts of like self-preservation and self-promotion and some of those things. So this is one of those passages that like, we like, but don't usually follow, myself included. Um, and yet, every time I don't, I find like I come away discouraged and defeated, and you're like, ah, I guess God didn't really want to do something there. And every time I listen to Jesus on this one, I get to see pretty cool things happen. So I think there's some really good news for us in this passage. And I think actually, if you're the sort of person who hears, hears the word evangelism, is like, Ugh, is that. Yeah. If you're the sort of person who hears the word like mission program and you're like, okay, what do I need to do? You know, like, I think there's some really good news in this passage. And this is, this is my summary. This is, uh, if you take nothing else, God does the work. All you have to do is go. God does the work. God provides the people, the resources, and the power you need. God is already at work and those around you. So all you have to do is go. All you have to do is go and be willing to have some open ears, some open hands, and God will do some pretty cool stuff. So I want everyone to take that little piece of them that has like mission and evangelism baggage and exhale just a little bit. Because when we go out, God does the work. All we have to do is go. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right, so let's dig into Luke 10 a little bit. Jesus has been walking with the disciples for a while now, right? So they've seen him preach. They've seen him heal. They've seen him do miracles. They've seen him do discipleship. They've seen him reconnect others to God. And then he's basically going to send them out to do the same thing. Like he's trained them. They've watched him. It's kind of an apprenticeship thing. And now they're going to go. And the first thing he does is he sends them out two by two. Why do you think he sends them out two by two? Yeah, better to work together than alone. Um, I mean, it's practical, right? There's support there. There's accountability there. There's friendship there. There's also like, hey, if he gets sick, like someone else can fill in. You know, it's not all relying on one person. But I think that's also the heart of this too, that that mission is never supposed to be reliant on one person. And when you're sent out two by two, it's actually way harder to do the rock star thing. Like Jesus says, you're going to go out and pretty crazy stuff's going to happen, right? And if it's just you, what's going to be the temptation? Become a folk hero. Yeah, this is like, look at me. Look at the cool stuff God does through me. And what's going to be the temptation of the people who receive those miracles? 
Pastor Scotty. Oh, I mean, only Pastor Scotty can do it, right? Like that's, oh, I mean, he's amazing. Like no one else. And how many of us know pastors who have done this? They go out alone. They get a huge crowd. Everyone says, look at the power going through them. And then five years later, they're not even in ministry. I mean, how many, how many people, right? So Jesus sends them two by two. And part of the reason he does that is like, this isn't about you. This isn't about your brand. This isn't about how many people follow you. This is about going out to be stewards of the kingdom of God. Going out to find what God is doing there and not building up your own little kingdom, but uncovering the kingdom of God and proclaiming the kingdom of God wherever you go. So Jesus sends them out two by two. He doesn't send them out alone, but he also doesn't send them with a posse, right? They don't go into these new towns with like a church planning team, right? He actually says, like, pray for workers when you get there. He says, that's what you're supposed to do. And this is even more crucial if we're ever, like, crossing cultural back barriers, right? I mean, if you think about it, this, this is a pretty common thing where, like, the well-intentioned suburban white church sends, like, 25 well-intentioned suburban white people into a poor black neighborhood, Right? So what do you think would ultimately be more effective, going and doing that or going two by two and finding the people on the ground that God has prepared? The people that know the neighborhood, the people that know the needs, the people that speak the language of the neighborhood, the people who can invite you into their networks and into their friends. Jesus is saying, don't go as conquerors, right? Don't go to conquer the neighborhood. Go to find what God is already doing there. Find the workers who are already there. Find the faithful people that have been working in that space and partner with them. Let the work open up from there. But we're at least supposed to bring the money, right? Jesus says, go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals. Do not greet anyone on the road. So apparently you're not supposed to take money or provisions or shoes. I'm not totally sure what sandals is doing in there, but you know, don't take your sandals. Jesus says, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. That's interesting, right? We, again, we don't go as conquerors. We actually go as those who are vulnerable. Like, don't armor up. Don't go out to conquer. You actually go out vulnerable. You go out in your weakness. You go out not as a threat, but you go out with open hands and your vulnerability and say, let's see what God has. And again, imagine going into a new place not as someone who knows all the answers, not as someone who's ready for an argument, not as someone looking for a fight, but someone who says, I'm just here. How can I help? What do you need? How can I pray for you and proclaim the kingdom of God? That's the only program he actually gives them. Right? There's nothing in here about like big evangelism programs or buildings or VBS or Alpha. Like, not that any of those things are wrong. They all, they all have a place. But the program he gives them is heal the sick and proclaim the good news. Proclaim that the kingdom of God is drawn near. 
So again, imagine going into a space without much more program than that. I'm going to meet who's here. I'm going to help them with their needs, pray for them, love them, and say, this is what Jesus is all about. This is the kingdom of God, people being healed and made new, loneliness being broken, sickness being healed, sin being forgiven, none of which requires a budget. And when you enter the town, apparently you're not supposed to like buy a church building or like canvas the neighborhood and tell everyone they need to come to your church. Jesus says, find the person of peace. This is verses five to eight. So if you want to put that out there, man. That's all right. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. That's fascinating, right? This idea that when you go in a new place, you're supposed to find someone who's going to house you indefinitely and feed you indefinitely. And you're not supposed to feel awkward about it. Don't move around. Like, don't build a whole team. And, and like, it says the worker deserves the wa- his wages. So, like, you're, this is what you're supposed to You're supposed to receive. You're supposed to realize that this person is actually the key to opening up your local ministry here. And if you don't find the person of peace, what are you supposed to do? Shake the dust off your feet. Shake the dust off your feet. Move on. Don't sweat it. Which is really interesting, right? Again, so contrary to often what we've been taught about evangelism. Jesus says, if you don't find an opening, give that person to God. Give that time to God. Don't fight. Don't get embittered. Don't be argumentative. Give that person to God. And I think this is actually really crucial, right? Especially kind of in the 21st century when we're constantly bombarded about narratives of like the church dying or people aren't interested in religion and all these things. And there's some truth to that, right? Like interest in the institutional church is pretty low. If you went out and tried to invite all your neighbors to church, you might not have much of a response But this is not what Jesus says to do. He says to go out and and find those that are open. To go out and pray and find those who are interested. And this is what we see in the ministry of Jesus, right? He doesn't actually chase people. He doesn't waste his time arguing with religious leaders when they're not actually open. No, he lets the rich and the ruler go. And instead, who does he spend his time with? The poor the lonely, the sinners, the humble, the disciples who are willing to leave their nets and lose everything, those who are hungry, those who are hungry for the kingdom of God, those who see Jesus and say, yeah, man, I'm in. 
that's who he gives himself to. And I think this is a big deal, right? Because if we spend our time just like beating our head against the wall, we get discouraged and defeated and feel like the gospel's broken somehow. But if you give yourself to the hungry and broken, you will never get to the bottom of your gospel to-do list. Have you experienced that? Like we can feel like, oh, there's just no openings or whatever. But if you give yourself to the humble, the hungry, the broken, those in need, like you will never run out of fruitful gospel work to do. I truly believe that. Jesus isn't lying when he says the harvest is plentiful. If you're willing to go where the hunger is, you will never run out of meaningful gospel work to do. Which is encouraging, right? I mean, I remember having a, a conversation with a church planner friend. He was like, yeah, it's rough out there, right? And it's like, well, depends where you go. I still believe people are, are hungry. I still believe people are broken. I still believe people are lonely. I still believe people are burdened by sin. And those who are open to it, the gospel's incredibly good news. Neil Cole tells a story in one of his books about literally trying this. Apparently he and a friend, they went out in the neighborhood and they just started knocking on doors and asking people if they needed prayer. And the first three people were all like, no thanks, I'm good. And they didn't sweat it, right? They didn't make a big stink about it. They moved on pretty quick. And you know what happened when the fourth person opened the door? The person said, thank God you are here. I'm an alcoholic. I can't seem to beat this thing. I'm about to lose my marriage and my family. Please come in and pray for me. And after they did that, the person received Jesus and welcomed them in and said, can you come back next week and invited all their friends over? And they apparently had a house church for like the next five years meeting in that space. Now, I've never been so bold as to just go randomly knocking on doors, but I think the principle still applies, right? Sometimes we get lost in the, the forest for the tree. We, we get lost in big stats about how resistant people are to the gospel, but there's someone like this on your block. There's someone like this in your family. There's someone like this in your workplace that desperately needs the good news of Jesus. Not as a religious product, right? They might not be looking for church membership, but they desperately need the healing and hope and forgiveness and love and calling of God. Amen? Amen. And that's what Jesus calls us to do. Heal the sick and proclaim that the kingdom of God has come here. Doesn't require buildings or programs or mission budgets, just a willingness to go. God does the work. All you have to do is go. So Jesus sends him out with this crazy mission, with no budget, with no sandals, for whatever reason, no sandals, um, with nothing but their vulnerable selves. And when they come back, what do they say?
say, this is verse 17. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. Jesus replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. So they go out with nothing, and yet all these powerful things happen, right? They said the demons submit, and Satan falls like lightning, and the disciples discover great power in themselves. But before they can get a big head and start marketing their, their, you know, their brand, uh, the Pastor Scotty Show, right? <laughs> Jesus tells them, like, don't be in yourself. Rejoice that you got to take part in the coming kingdom. God does the work. All you have to do is go. Amen. So how's this sound as a mission plan? Is it different than what you typically think of as evangelism and mission? Or maybe what you've been taught? Can you imagine this sort of ministry? Again, for me, like a lot of this stuff is counter instinctual, right? It goes contrary to like how we want to think about like armoring up or bringing out our resources or thinking that we need to have some super winning strategy or if only I knew enough about theology or maybe if I were smarter or more charismatic or had more faith, then God would do stuff. But every time I follow this Jesus model, weird things happen. Like weird, crazy, cool kingdom of God things happen. So a lot of you know this story. When we first started in 2009 in Bristol, we walked up and down Mill Street and all over Bristol trying to find people interested in church. And very few people came. But you know who welcomed us in? I have this picture up here. Leo! Over there in his brown suit, this is his wedding day. This is one of my favorite pictures from the history of redemption uh, there. Leo was the leader of the local homeless encampment. And part of the reason Leo welcomed us in was because we didn't come to fix everyone. You know, we, we came as a bunch of 20-somethings who didn't have any resources and didn't have a program. And we're just there to kind of be present with people. And we started praying with one another. Like we started not praying for them, but praying with them, if that distinction makes sense. And eventually it turned into meals, and we eventually had a Bible study that was out there. And every Tuesday we would show up for Bible study, and Leo would round everyone up. He'd tell them they had to come sober. He would enforce, you know, there was say he made sure everyone was safe. And eventually even weirder stuff started happening. And I've told this story many times, right? But people would drop off like pallets of food in the woods, and the homeless couldn't eat them all. So all of a sudden we were being fed. They give us the food, right? And people would drop off way too much clothes for the homeless. And they go through it and like pick it out and be like, Susan, I picked this out for you this week. So here we are being fed and clothed by the local homeless community. And this is what Jesus says will happen. When you go out, find the person of peace. Don't move around. Eat what they feed you. And do the work that God gives you in that space. 
And here's where I confess, right? Because I spend so many weeks being like, why can't I get anybody to come to church? Why won't they come to church? I want them to come on Sundays. And every week we were gathering in the woods, reading scripture together, praying for one another and sharing a meal. And it was my own blindness that couldn't see the kingdom of God happening right there. And that encampment was shut down in 2012. And luckily, we did spend enough time just enjoying it. And we did see Satan fall like lightning in that place. And I can honestly say that in that space, I probably felt closer to the kingdom of God than just about any space I've been in. And I can think of other examples of this, right? I mean, a negative example. We had a, a guy in town fairly early on who we met who was really open to us, who was like, use my building. I have a business. Use my building. Use my resources. I have lots of friends. If you ever want to do anything, we can like, do that. And I spent the next three years trying to get them to come to church. And it never worked. And all those friends that he was like offering to us never came. And the reality is they, it wasn't a great social fit. They were kind of a completely different group of people. So rather than go and receive from the person of peace, right, receive this person who's like, no, use my space. Blank check. Here's my friends. I can invite them all over. We got stuck on this model of like, no, it's supposed to be about the thing rather than like God do his thing. And yet on the opposite side, we saw... Tina, the bookstore owner, or Joe, who ran the kombucha shop, people who both met us and said, like, use our space. Like, what do you need? You need us to get food? You need us to invite people? Like, what do you need? Like, use our space. Again, like, is that a thing? Apparently it's a thing. And in both cases, we listened and we went and we didn't move around and we ate what they gave us and we got to do some really meaningful work with non-Christians in both of those spaces. We actually still have some relationships with people from, from both of those endeavors that were really good. And honestly, right now we're experiencing this again. Do you guys know how stupidly generous the Quickers are being with us? <laughs> We're back in the same dynamic of like, what do you guys need? Like, you want to use the space, like, 24-7? Like, the, the exact quote Jareth was here, we met, I ran into Paul the clerk, and he said, go nuts in a spiritually appropriate way. Like, <laughs> and so there's something to that, right? Like, so don't move around. See what God has. Stay in that space and flourish in it. And the other person of peace we have right now, some of you have gotten to know her quite a bit, others you have probably never heard about her, is Crystal the bartender. For those of you who haven't met Crystal, she is our bartender on Wednesday nights at Naked Book Club. And Crystal loves us. <laughs> specifically Amanda. She specifically loves Amanda, but she, like, every week is like, my book club is here and like has our tables ready for us, gets the lighting and the music right for us. She's the one who's like talking us up to random bar patrons, right? Like I'm not very good at that, but she's the one being like, have you met, have you met the book club? Like you guys should go to the book club over there. Go to the book club over there. And honestly, like the most 
powerful conversations I've had in that space are times when Crystal is like, have you met Gary? He runs the book club. And like an hour later, we're in some like deep Jesus conversation. So again, how contrary is that to that idea of like, I don't know, you need to go be some like aggressive evangelist. Here it is, like receive, be received by the person of peace and like let it happen. Be open to it. And on some level, the biggest challenge for me is don't get awkward and shut it down. Right? It's, uh, it's actually like be willing to stay a little bit later to have that conversation with the weird bar patron I just got introduced mm-hmm. to. So honestly, sometimes it feels like the biggest obstacle to God doing something in that space is me. God's ready to do stuff. God is there. God is stirring. God is with every person in that bar. I just need to be open. I need to let God work. So that's our calling. I still have trouble believing that, right? That there's crystals out there. It's still pretty weird. You can't map it out. You can't create a strategic plan. All you can do is go and go out. And go out with open hands and as best you can open ears and see who's there. See who's in your workplace. See who's on your block. See who's hanging out on Mill Street. Wherever you go. And what's cool is that you don't need like a seminary degree to do this. You don't need a mission program. You don't need, you do need some openness, but you don't need hours and hours of time. You just need to be kind of present. And the weird thing is you might actually get fed quite a bit. And again, we constantly feel like if only I were smarter, if only I had more answers, if only I knew my apologetics, if only I was ordained, if only I was a little bit more bold. But I actually think for this type of ministry, it actually might help if you were poor and inarticulate and humble and non-threatening. I actually think it is. If you go into a place like Naked Brewery, like ready for a fight, you're going to see a lot less fruit than if you go in humble, non-threatening, willing to listen, smelling like Jesus. So that's what I got. I just want you to take a second and think about your world. Think about your block. Think about your friends or your family and pray over them. And ask God to show you where he might already be at work. He might already be open to the kingdom of God. And listen, simply to go out. And if anything, divest yourself of power. And trust that the power of God is already there. And when you find that person, all you have to do is love them and invite them into the kingdom of God. To find out more about Redemption Church, visit redemptionbristol.org.